0: Don't understand you smile because they just need girl's Hello and welcome to Girlsplained, a podcast dedicated to all things geeky and girly.
1: If you've ever wanted to outbox a fox, read a predator is rights, or walk these mean streets on bunny feet, then you're in the right place.
0: We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Unruh.
1: And I'm Jillian Crotzer. Now get ready to be GirlSplained.
0: Hello, Earholes. Welcome back to another episode. Jillian has agreed to return as a co-hostess. But this poor woman has taken this upon herself again, despite... Here I am! <laughs> <laughs> despite me forcing her to read young adult novels and think <laughs> way more about Superman than she ever wanted to, she came back. Yes. Welcome,
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here again for this really weird topic that (laughs) we've chosen to go with.
0: (laughs) I feel like it's going to sound weird when we get to it, and then it's going to get progressively less weird and just make more sense together as we go. But That's the hope. That's the hope. I've done some thinking about this, obviously. You have too. We've chatted a little. I think it'll be fine. Before we get to our strange and wonderful topic... Uh, please, if you would like, reintroduce yourself to the ear holes.
1: Hey, Earholes. So, uh, hopefully you will recall me from the Lois Lane Young Adult Fiction episode, which, if you haven't listened to, I, I just don't know what you're waiting for at this point. What are you uh, even
0: doing with your lives, ear what? holes?
1: What are you doing? <laughs> uh, I am a an amateur nerd. That's my, my part-time, relaxation time thing. I love many things nerd superheroes star wars star trek i can't even name them all there's so much uh so you know (laughs) here i am nerding it out
0: no nerd cred cards will be pulled this evening you none you're good you're you're in you're well in you may recall, Earholes, that when Jillian last visited us, we did have an, a wonderful discussion about Lois Lane, both conceptually and specifically in Gwenda Bond's novels. But towards the end of the episode, Jillian told us about her female empowerment action figure shrines. Their ranks had been joined only recently by Officer Hops from Zootopia.
1: Yes.
0: I dropped my usual Zootopia high-concept pitch, which is, oh, you mean Chinatown with anthropomorphized animals? And it was, I don't know, a few days later that Jillian decided she was going to call me on that BS.
1: Right, I mean... No, well,
0: you were going to look into it. Yeah, I was like, you know what?
1: (laughs) Since you mentioned it, that sounds like a hilarious thing for us to talk about.
0: And you had not seen Chinatown, or if you had, it had certainly not stuck with you before I made that reference and you went to seek it out, right?
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: Real highlights for those listening at home. If you are unaware of Chinatown, we are talking about the seminal, let me check, I think 1974, 1974 film noir Directed by Roman Polanski, written by Robert Towne, and starring a whole ton of people. But the three big ones you might know are Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway, and John Huston. And this is a fantastic movie, by the way. So before we start doing the compare and contrast, how did you find Chinatown for your first serious watch?
1: So, I enjoyed Chinatown a lot, although it is certainly... um... Of film noirs, and, and we'll get more into this later, one of those movies where you're like, oh, this is where it's over. Nope, wait, wait, not done yet. <laughs> That's uh,
0: true. That that happens but... a little bit in, in these films noir. <laughs> yeah. That's true.
1: I found it really fascinating, and the acting, of course, is amazing. Uh, it is kind of racist at points. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, there's like some some dialogue in there that that's very oh my
0: none of that is by accident and it's not even just no period it's not really the point of Chinatown no but there's an underlying one of the reasons that I think of Chinatown with Zootopia is it's obviously a town with a lot of tensions going on under it
1: yes absolutely like that comes through loud and clear yeah
0: and and race is one of them, but not the main one in no, Chinatown. No. But it does it does absolutely right. come up. Mainly with the fact that the main character worked in Chinatown in law enforcement as an investigator. And was basically asked constantly to look the other way. Because who... Yeah. I, my understanding at least is because who cares about what these China people do to each other. Right?
1: That seems like the, the attitude... Uh, you know, and the other thing that I found, and as a person who is an East Coast sort of gal, and so I don't think about California quite very often, Californians will be surprised to know, the drought <laughs> issue that is sort of the basis for the whole plot line. I thought, this is, really? Are we still dealing with this drought thing? And... I found that shocking because, I mean, it's it's made in 1974, right? But it's set much earlier than that. And the drought is at that point an issue. I don't know if they
0: make a specific reference to what year it's set in. But it's, yeah, it's the war has not happened. So we're kind of late 30s, right. early 40s.
1: That seems like about a time.
0: And yes, 100%. The drought was a problem then. It was a problem yeah. in 1974. It was a problem right. when I was there last month, so... <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: So, issues.
0: But I'm I'm with you on that, actually, in that, I mean, obviously, Oklahoma has some pretty serious storm seasons where we tend to... Absolutely. N- flooding. We need to worry about that, you know. Uh, and I right. actually caught myself when we were kind of, uh, we thought we might be moving to the Bay Area, and we were kind of generally house hunting, and I realized mm-hmm. that my brain was sort of downgrading the niceness of neighborhoods because of all the brown grass. Like, it was just a thing
1: uh, here, if you have yeah. a
0: neighborhood of brown grass, that means nobody's taking care of their stuff, right? Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Same here.
0: So there, I was like, why am I doing this? These, these are really nice neighborhoods, and I realized it's that there's just no water, all the grass is brown, and it was doing it th- anyway. So yeah, still an yeah. ongoing issue. I've seen Chinatown a lot. I had not seen it in a year or two until I was prepping for this show. And I'm also blown away every time at the acting and the directing. Like, Roman Polanski just did an amazing job yeah. on on this movie. So, it's a film noir masterpiece for a reason. Let me digress a moment and ask you, because in a little bit of the pre-show prep, you seemed to have a familiarity with the film's noir, is this a thing yeah. that you have just kind of picked up as you went along, or would you consider yourself a fan?
1: Um, I've kind of picked it up as I went along. Well, I watched some film noir a little bit as a kid. My, I, I like to watch old movies with my grandmother, mm-hmm. and so I've seen a few that way. Um, more recently, I have just been watching uh, Laura on Netflix. Which is, of course, the as an Otto Preminger film noir, beautiful, amazing movie. I can watch it 100,000 times, and I will get something new out of it every time. I just love it so much. So, that's my most recent exposure to film noir, until Zootopia yes. brought me back.
0: <laughs> so yeah, we'll, we'll put a pin in Chinatown. We're old fan and new fan. Of Chinatown, mm-hmm. amazing film. Faye Dunaway's great. Jack Nicholson. Like I forget how good Jack Nicholson was. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. And then and then I go to Chinatown and I'm like, damn, like amazing since day one. Okay, guy. Yeah. So pin there. Let's flash forward to Zootopia. Give a little bit of the uh, a little bit of the bona fides there. Zootopia 2016 animated feature. This was. Well now I just can't I can't even remember. This is not Disney, is it? Was it Disney? That doesn't seem. No, they just make Frozen references no. in it that confused me. That's what it was. No, it
1: is Disney. It's Disney. Okay,
0: okay. Um, yeah. Yes, it, uh, Disney Pixar. You know, presentation, animated, mm-hmm. anthropomorphic animals in a big city. You, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna sit back and let you tell people about Zootopia because with adding Officer Hops to your female empowerment shrine, I feel like I enjoyed the movie, but you got connections, you got feels.
1: I really, I really got the feels just the whole way start to finish. So, you know, one of the things that I find different uh, in Zootopia from, from other film noirs in that obviously, A, it's a children's movie, but it's sort of, you get that background, right, of the detective that you don't really get Most of the time in film noir, like, we have Mm -hmm. no idea where this person came from. We just start with, you know, they're a detective.
0: Absolutely. But
1: I love the background of Judy Hopps. And she just has in her tiny little bunny bones just a desire (laughs) to, you know, make the... To just be a part of the world and be able to do whatever you want. She's really bought hook, line, and sinker this idea that... That Zootopia, which is a city in the the universe that she's in, is a place where anybody can be anything, uh, and she's a bunny, but she wants to be a police officer, and no bunny, no bunny has ever been a police officer before.
0: <laughs> I saw, I saw you catch. So uh, that that was your My Little Pony moment, where it's like no pony yeah. has ever done this thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I felt that. I was with you there. Uh, yeah, right it, that is really interesting you do actually get some background for judy and in addition she's a cop uh where yeah you tend to usually get the
1: private detective private
0: detectives you get somebody who yeah. is with with film noir it's uh usually about the the edges of different groups rubbing up against each other and the the friction the sparks that happen when that happens so you can't have somebody yeah. with any actual authority
1: Right. (laughs) So, of course, Judy Hopps gets to be the first bunny ever to be a police officer in uh, what seems to be some sort of uh, animal affirmative action program. Uh, Of course, she has worked incredibly hard to get where she is. Uh, And then when she finally graduates from Police Academy, academy, and of course, we're going to have, it's going to be tons of spoilers, just left and right, so if you haven't seen Zootopia yet, I maybe stop and watch it. Uh,
0: <laughs> we'll wait. But
1: we'll wait. Okay. Uh, so, she graduates Police Academy, so excited for her first day, and she gets to be a meter maid. So, she has no authority, she's just driving around, giving parking tickets, and of course, she is just the... Just the funkiest little bunny that ever did exist. And so when her boss tells her that she should get 100 parking tickets in a day, she says, oh, I'm going to get 200 before lunch.
0: She um, does it, too.
1: And she does it, too, which is pretty spectacular. Um, she just made a lot of people angry her first day on the yeah, job. Yeah, <laughs> I,
0: I, I really liked the spunky I'm gonna do the thing you said but double and more so and then I was like, yeah, but you just basically ruined the day of a solid percentage of Zootopia's drivers.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. Sure, they broke the law, but damn, Judy, cold.
1: But wow, yeah. <laughs> very... Very harsh. I am no fan of a parking ticket, Uh, but it is, of course, in her parking ticket duty that she meets Nick the Fox, which begins our entire story, our foray into the darkness of Zootopia.
0: Yeah, immediately, her eventual partnership with Nick is, again, that, that film noir. I would... I would have hesitated seriously to describe Zootopia as a film noir until the Chinatown thing came up. Because I am a huge and long-time both hard-boiled detective, fiction, and into film noir fan. And have just thought way too much about it, of course. But it really, immediately you have Judy and Nick working together. And it is at least four or five different boundaries between them rubbing up against each other she's yep. prey he's predator that seems to be the main divide typically through right. th- through the film she's very <laughs> earnest and forthright and he's less so you get the fi- or at least i got the feeling that nick also is uh probably like economically disadvantaged i mean yes. he mentions like in a childhood story his mom having to scrape money together for like boy scout right. well they're not boys but what is it? Ranger scouts? A scout Something. Group. Yeah.
1: Ranger scouts, something like uh, that. Yeah. You know,
0: scraping money together and that he's on the hustle instead of, you know, getting uh-huh. a day job. And and while we don't really, like, Judy's family is farmers, but they, they have, she has 240 plus.
1: 74. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think it's 274. It's a lot. She got a lot of siblings, it's and a they lot. seem okay. Right. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do make some really hilarious. um... Well, I mean, I find them hilarious jokes about, uh, you know, the bunnies. She's got the 274 brothers and sisters. At the point when she's on in the train at going out of town, you see, like, the sign that says the name of where she's from and then just, you know, population, whatever, except it's just, like, continually going up. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Which you is could pretty hilarious. Use that thing like a fan. Bzzz, just going. Yeah. <laughs> um, you also obviously right there have the urban an agrarian you know and them bumping like they could not be more opposite uh from one another and yet you know here they come together to to solve the crime so the main reason that i here we'll put this up front i (laughs) say that zootopia is chinatown with anthropomorphized animals a lot uh and i stand (laughs) by it To a point. Like, if somebody started to seriously call me on it, as Jillian did after she'd seen both the movies... Here we are. It's not quite... That's not an apples-to-apples comparison. I believe Zootopia owes a ton to Chinatown specifically, as opposed to just general film noir. But the real place that that comes, for me, is in the... Like I say, in the tensions in both L.A. of the late 30s, early 40s, and Zootopia, that are largely hidden like every very. everybody knows they're there but as long as we don't talk about them a whole lot it'll be fine yeah. combined with the the very unexpected you think that the criminal plot is this thing but oh wait it's really this other thing yeah those two it has those two things those two elements very much in common but but if i'm honest that's that's kind of where it ends those are huge but then they do really <laughs> different things
1: but yeah Uh, They do, absolutely. I mean, I think one thing that Zootopia really delves into is, you know, our internalized biases and the way in which a really truly well-meaning person, or animal in this case, can accidentally trip into saying things that are really hurtful to somebody of a different background you know for like specifically for judy hopps when we think we've gotten to the end of the criminal plot where we think we've unraveled the conspiracy you know it turns out that um, all of these predators have gone savage uh, if you will where something's happened to them they've gone savage they've attacked somebody and they're trying to figure out why it happened and it looks like the mayor is behind it he happens to be a predator also and in a press conference she's asked why is it happening and she goes back to this thing where she says oh well maybe it's in their dna or maybe it's biology and then sort of delves into a little discussion that is very reminiscent of a, the sort of the opposite of the thing that she said at the very beginning of the movie when she was in a play when she was like five where you know, maybe it's these predators have reverted to their savage states and and then there's a very tense moment with her partner Nick where he is a he's very hurt by these things that she said and she doesn't She didn't intend it that way. And uh, who doesn't get tripped up at a press conference? (laughs) (laughs) But it was incredibly hurtful.
0: What I found fascinating about that, because language really, they never lampshade it, but language is a real ongoing issue in Zootopia in that she walks into the police station on her first day and the uh, Clawhauser, the tubby, affable... You know, desk sergeant meets yeah. her and and says, "Oh, you're just so cute." And her response is, "Listen, bunnies can call other bunnies cute, but when you do it, it's a little." And I mean, the first time I saw this movie, I was like, "Oh, damn!" <laughs> like,
1: oh yeah, I was like, "That just oh, they just they weren't even playing there."
0: Yeah, because yeah, that's really that's really like right right to the heart of some of that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, just problematic language that we have left over from, you know, bygone eras or however it gets in there. That was, that was, but yeah, it just continues because she does wind up saying things about predators that hurts Nick. And then what I found really kind of entertaining and possibly problematic is that by the end of the movie, they are basically slinging racial epitaphs at one another as jokes.
1: Yes. (laughs) <laughs> you know uh,
0: but but only to each I other guess,
1: only to each other so I, I guess uh, it is a stereotype in this universe that bunnies are dumb and so that's an issue at some point uh, Nick when they are first when they first met calls her a dumb bunny uh, and then the stereotype about foxes is they're sly and they're treated very much as though they must Inherently be criminals. Mm-hmm. And so they play around with that a little bit. But, you know, the extent to whether clearly it's okay within their specific partnership. Right. But would it be outside there? Um, definitely, I mean, I not. It gets to, definitely not. Definitely <laughs> I mean, not. I, you know, and, and I think it certainly gets to the, the idea that, you know, I guess anybody can be anything. But it is a little odd.
0: Well, and it was particularly odd to me as I watched it this time in prepping for the show that I, a few times mm-hmm. in the movie, I tried really hard to reimagine this as humans without the metaphor, basically. Right. right, right, and And imagining that it's, you know, a black cop and a white cop or something like that who are just, yeah. I mean, wretched to one another in ways that would bl- make me blush. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it doesn't really work when you transfer it to humans, unfortunately. Although, I think there is a uh, something to be said in this movie for the fact that and, ma- and maybe one of the reasons why it worked so well is that there aren't really... You can't look at a particular type of animal and say, oh, that's a stand-in for this subset of human right. beings. Which is, which is good, because that could get problematic real quick.
0: Be- yes, very quickly. It, that's actually a delight, and that's part of the reason i was doing the thought experiment of what does this look like yeah. if you know if it's human beings um because th- there do seem to be a lot of accepted stereotypes in between the species many of mm-hmm. which are actually 100% true right next to ones sure. that are com- y- you know that are constructs or whatever like a, like the foxes are all sly yeah. and and shady i mean uh, in fact yeah. one of the visual joys of the movie is watching how you have the city adapt to the fact that it's got to have like a bank of lemmings <laughs> living alongside yeah. giraffes. And how, right. you know, how does that work? And then um, juxtaposing, like, uh, they have biomes in the city. So they do. I really enjoyed the hippopotamus like coming up out of the escalator and getting blown dry because he was blown underwater dry. in his suit.
1: That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, Little
1: Rodentia is one of my favorites.
0: That was the one that really made me think. Little Rodentia is a mm-hmm. a big chunk of the city set apart to be the size that mice need to be essentially like, or, or yeah. I was never quite sure what Mr. Big well, it was supposed to be. Like there was <laughs> a, like
1: a grouping of like I think uh, a bowl. I feel like I looked it up at some that point. That makes total sense. He's a bowl. Yeah.
0: That makes total sense. So it's bowl sized yeah um and and this made me think of things like you know that's little italy this is chinatown and that that would happen on purpose with segregation but in this case it was segregation with an actual purpose
1: right it's like fully needed because you know mice and giraffes are very different sizes (laughs) and they have to have different size houses obviously right
0: how do you even, it's, as a side note, I do not understand how the economics of Zootopia would work. Because real estate, right? so complicated. How?
1: Uh, do you know what I thought of? Uh, drink sizes.
0: Yes! Well, you get that. How
1: what do the, drink sizes work?
0: You get it in the ice cream shop. Yeah. You have an elephant sized. The si- elephant actually, ice cream shop. Yeah, kind of a plot point, at least uh, for for the first act, that you have Nick yes. grifting an elephant-sized Ice cream.
1: Popsicle. Popsicle.
0: And it is humongous. And apparently it's the largest size for them, too, because it's either that or it also sounds like it's named for a special slur because it's a jumbo pop, you know. So I'm going to assume it's big, that it's the biggest one you can get. And he is, like, bent under the weight of it, you know. Yes. Uh yeah, yeah, how does that even work? And it was 15 bucks, which I thought was a lot for a Popsicle, but then I'm like, what do you want? That
1: Right, but the size of it. Look at the size of that thing. It's huge.
0: Uh. So, yeah, it, that, I say all that to say, like, Little Redentia being an example of how it does not directly map to human beings, because right. that would be, like, Little Redentia doesn't feel problematic at all and yet i think it's supposed to make us think of things like chinatown and little italy's and things like that that would definitely be more problematic so in fact there i'll i'll bring in another film noir that i'm fan of because this i would say that zootopia is sort of equal parts these two but the people who made it probably did not think of this other one very much if at all devil in a blue dress again to give you the particulars This is a 1995 film noir starring Denzel Washington. And, you know, basically Denzel Washington. Also Don Cheadle. After that, nobody cares. Like, that's...
1: (laughs) Yeah, I gotta say, I was looking through the IMDb page, and, like, the first name that my eyes hit as I scrolled down was Don Cheadle, and I was like, oh, I gotta go back and watch this.
0: It's fantastic. I will highly recommend it. I will also recommend the book that it's based on. It's also just a very typical, in most ways, L.A. film noir or hard-boiled detective story, except that your protagonist is African-American. And this is right after the war, and uh, all those uh, manufacturing jobs that became such a big deal for the black community during World War II were drying up because the white people were coming home. Right, so again, right. all these tensions, all these things, and the reason I bring it up is, uh, while Chinatown definitely has the city with all the tensions and the double blind ending that I feel Zootopia owes so much to, the very obvious racial tension is much more reminiscent of Devil in a Blue Dress, especially the book. Like it's it's obviously a part of the movie, but the book is from the main character's direct point of view, and it really it impacts the narrative, especially for people like myself who know these tropes like the back of their hand, you know? Right. So let's talk about that. The first time I saw the movie, I watched it really feeling like, or for at least two thirds of the movie, that the prey were the very obvious stand-in for a racial minority. And then that gets turned upside down, you know, for the third act as though, I mean, I guess I just wasn't paying attention to the the background as much or thinking about the sheer volume of rodents living in, Little Rodentia, right? Like, skewing the numbers, because it made sense once they revealed it, but with Officer Hops as our point-of-view character, I know they kept saying bunny, but it felt more like gray was the problem. Was I just not paying attention, Jillian? Did you see this the whole time?
1: (laughs) No, I didn't. I didn't see it coming at all, I will freely admit. Uh, I did think... I mean, certainly when we got to what, what seemed like it was the end of things... I felt more clearly in this that it was definitely not the end. If only because, you know, in Zootopia, you're really telling time, if you will, by the emotional Mm storyline between uh, Judy and Nick. And so that was clearly the, okay, we've hit the halfway mark of that relationship. (laughs) Um, Like that was a very like, that's where we are. Um, and so I knew other things had to happen, but then it didn't quite dawn on me what was going on right away. Mm -hmm. So you were not like, I was, the wool was pulled over my eyes, if you will. Yeah,
0: yes, very good. Since (laughs) a few rams and sheep wander through, and by a few, I mean a lot, and they kind of become an interesting, uh a really clever diversion there in the third act, but, uh,
1: right. <clears throat> and they do make, I just want to point out some really just, did you catch Walter and Jesse? Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes. You love that. Yeah. Definitely big breaking bad reference. I mean, they'd had the frozen reference before, which I mentioned that confused me. Yeah. Um, but then I was like, Oh sure. Of course, breaking bad's getting, getting mentioned in this, uh, because they have a shady drug lab situation. It only, it's only right. yeah <laughs>
1: that's for the parents guys that's right. that one's for the parents
0: <laughs> okay that makes me feel a little better and actually adds to the rewatchability of zootopia yeah because my current theory and i want to hear how you feel about this i think that worked exactly the way it was supposed to like we were especially as two caucasian viewers that was sure. that was how it was supposed to to supposed to feel um because this is what happened to me on Additional viewings, I came to feel as though the discrimination against Officer Hops is more like the discrimination a woman might find, as opposed to yes, yeah, as as opposed to like a a minority group, you know.
1: Right. No, that is absolutely. I felt that very strongly. Um, I don't know on first watching. I think it I it definitely resonated with me on the first watching. But on my second watching, my more recent. Watching of it, I really strongly felt that that moment when uh, the chief Bogo assigns her to be a minute uh, meter maid, yes. I just was like, oh, I've been there, girl. I've been there.
0: That realization, which, again, I think was not supposed to be primary on your first view, at least, again, as mm-hmm. Caucasian viewers, because I'm going to circle that, you know, around. Sure. Um, but, yeah, that really reframes that moment. For me. And I was like, oh, damn. And also, uh, Nick makes a lot of jokes, the dumb bunny thing, you know, feels very, you know, you're dumb blonde or
1: ditzy. a woman
0: can't know as much. And the, Mm -hmm. are all bunnies bad drivers?
1: That was a little, that was a little on the nose. Yeah, Yeah.
0: but (laughs) I didn't really think about it the first time, right? Like, it it was just the ongoing them being sort of friendly, wretched to each other. Yes. But when I reframe Officer Hops as more of a stand-in for women as opposed to a minority, uh, that really stood out. Like, I was like, oh, wh- hey, hey.
1: Yeah, they're talking about a lot of stuff in this movie. A lot.
0: They really are? So
1: many layers, and and all, can we just take a minute to shout out the detailed artistry of this movie? I mean, I don't know if you got to read it all about the making and the digital effects that went into creating, but oh my gosh, it is so beautiful. I got to see it. So when I saw it initially in the theater, uh, because I was so excited about it, the Mr. Big, who is a vole, uh, voles are quite tiny, but boy, when they get a close up on him, it it's almost disturbing how realistic he looks. <laughs>
0: Not just not just vaguely realistic. Yeah. Like he's a Godfather homage, mm-hmm. and he could not look more like Don Corleone right. as a bull. Yeah,
1: exactly. But also a bull, like absolutely a real live bull who is also Don Corleone. I don't know how. It's amazing. I read one thing where it said that like the giraffes in Zootopia, like one giraffe in Zootopia had more hairs on its body than like every animal in all of two different Pixar movies that I obviously can't name right now. Cause why would I be able to uh, <laughs> combine? Which is,
0: Oh, just like the progression yeah. of technology and skill in oh, yeah. digital. I yeah. Mean, it's yeah.
1: Amazing. It's a beautiful, beautiful film, which actually is a great parallel to Chinatown which is a an mm-hmm. incredibly artfully made film, artfully directed, artfully acted, and just sort of uh, an artisanal, handcrafted piece of film work.
0: As much as I enjoy Devil in a Blue Dress, I can't say that it's operating on the same level in that mm-hmm. way as Chinatown and Zootopia. So yes, look, thank you. Another <laughs> reason for me to not sound like a crazy You're person. You're not crazy. Comparing these two no. films. Um <laughs> Yeah, the, that's interesting. I thought you were going to talk more about the art direction there, but that's be, because that whole making Zootopia a city that seems like it might work, as opposed yeah. to like a Looney Tunes right. cartoon, because they could have just brushed past a lot of that scale difference. Yeah, but they
1: really went into it. And, uh, yeah,
0: how would this yeah, work? Yeah, like
1: the, the sprinklers in the jungle, uh,
0: mm-hmm. that
1: was another thing where, you know, is that... So as Judy comes into the city, right, it starts with a desert biome where there are camels jogging, which is on two legs, hilariously. <laughs> They've literally... Right. what I was like, what? That's adorable.
0: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Probably my favorite anthropomorphized animal moment, too, by yeah, the way. Well, I mentioned the blow dryer, but that's more about the yeah. city. But uh, if the camels jogging on two legs aren't it the elephant doing yoga
1: that's awesome I love the elephant is the yoga.
0: just what is happening right now with this elephant doing yeah. yoga but uh yes so please go on yes, uh, a desert. yes the
1: desert there's this massive wall and I don't think you really notice it on first seeing the wall but like as the train goes through to the other side there's just heat you see heat blasting out of the one mm-hmm. side of the wall that's where the desert biome is On the other side, it is the, uh, tundra, the arctic biome, and so it's blasting out cold, and, uh, my immediate thought was, like, is that the best, like, shouldn't there be a progression from, like, a hotter biome to a colder (laughs) biome? Like, I don't know, logistically, but I was like, alright, I'll go with it, I'll go with it. Um, let's pretend that, like, the heat-cold thing is there for a reason. I'm sure it must be.
0: Sure. Sure. Don't think too hard. About <laughs> Somebody that must science. have thought about
1: that, right? Um, and then you know, through the the jungle where there are sprinklers that are creating the rain. Although, I mean, I guess if you thought too hard about the realistic weather conditions that must be going on, given like the heat and the cold and the heat again,
0: <laughs> it is not a domed city, and yet I feel it should be.
1: No. <laughs> It should almost certainly be domed, but you know what? I'm going to forgive Disney for not going that deeply into it, because I feel like if they had, I'd be like, guys, that's a bit much. It's a cartoon. We'll all we'll all be okay.
0: Uh, I also liked that the rainforest seems to work in three dimensions, so that you have houses on yes. top of one another. And in fact, they give mm-hmm. a really simple, easy address, and it was on my second viewing that I was like, they didn't really give like a third dimension
1: the address (laughs) that they give and then
0: they fall several stories and they still find them. And I'm like, Hmm, I feel like there should have been a point one or something at the end of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So that you know where it is in the tree because yeah, it's cool to look
0: at. And it obviously works because as I learned this summer, actually from my son going to a, to a camp about it, like the layers of the rainforest are a big deal you know um oh yeah i mean i kind of knew but now i know so much right, i almost would be disappointed sure. if they hadn't done it so that things were going on at different at different levels so
1: yeah
0: um i'm going to tie your they put the the sahara right next to the tundra i'm going to tie that yeah. back to actual los angeles history believe it or not oh uh i'm
1: intrigued. On, on
0: a metaphorical level at least
1: mhm
0: so this is these are things that I have learned about the history of Los Angeles because I really love Raymond Chandler and Los Angeles is a character in sure uh, I don't know that Chandler would have said so but tough luck that's what it is uh, in in the <laughs> Marlowe novels it is and looking at the history uh, you actually had people on the East Coast getting advertisements to convince them to move to Los Angeles and it was described as, the great white spot of america it that was the advertising copy hey white people move to la to get away from all of these not white people that was the thing
1: that it that feels very bizarre to me
0: it was a giant lie from day 1 that was the thing
1: right Okay. The, the I'm oddities. That, I'm glad that is.
0: I won't go into it. I won't go into all the things, but the oddities sure. of it drew people of lower economic class, which, you know, this is certainly there were poor white people also, but I mean, you know, odds. Yeah, obviously. 30s and 40s, 20s and 30s. You're, you're, this The situation of Los Angeles drew people of, of lower incomes also. So you had people of other ethnicities moving out there again from day one but to keep this going uh until very late in the game like well into the 70s you had legally segregated neighborhoods now they weren't uniformly uh um enforced all the way through the same in the 70s as they were in the 30s but i mean when south central los angeles like this is a place that again my eclectic taste fans of uh, you know, late 80s into the 90s gangster rap are going to hear about South Central sure. and go how do you figure great white spot you know um, that's right. because that was one of the places where African Americans were allowed by law you know to settle the, the African American population grew faster during some especially the war years than the uh, Caucasian population but their space the spaces in which they were legally allowed to live n- did not grow at all. Right. Or race slow Huge. So, those lines, the streets that were, like, this side is the white side and that's the black side. Welcome to yep. your tundra right next to your desert. Yeah. It could not, you, you know, that, that, these are so stark. And all I did was walk across the street or drive through this tunnel or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, and again, that's Chinatown. Chinatown's all about Los Angeles and what's going on there, both ethnically and with a natural resource. So... And,
1: indeed, with a natural resource. (laughs) Moldy onions in Zootopia. (laughs) Not actually moldy
0: onions. (laughs) Double. They doubled down. Okay, this is, again, you think things are over and then there's something else. Zootopia doubles down on the uh, reveal. No, wait, a second reveal. Yes. No, wait, a third reveal on the same (gasps) MacGuffin. It's kind of amazing.
1: Yeah. That was pretty good. I definitely... Because you get that... uh, You know, oh, he kept saying night howlers, night howlers, and then you find out, or you think you found out, ah, oh, it's the timber wolves, oh, those timber wolves, and they're howling, uh, because in this, in Zootopia, as, I don't know, perhaps in life, I haven't looked deeply into timber wolves, but I think wolves howl uh, a fair amount. Oh, yeah. In this, timber wolves (laughs) cannot help but howl. If one of them starts howling, they all start howling. Uh, To the point that it is used as a distraction. uh, To some effect by Officer Hops.
0: Another place that I started to get into little problematic areas in my head trying to map this to human beings. Not not just the howling, but the fact that there's like, that's one of those, uh, oh, it's a stereotype. That's also 100% true. And we're exploiting it. Yes. Yikes.
1: (laughs) Right, which is a problem with like, Which is such a, which is an issue with animals, because, you know, obviously there are things about animals that are true. Yes. You know, wolves howl, uh, sloths are very slow, except, you know, except for Speedy, who we do find out at the end has just a need for speed.
0: Just in a different way. Uh,
1: In a different way. Oh, flash, Uh, flash,
0: hundred yard dash had to go fast in his own way. Yeah. Uh, I'm sort of, as an aside, that's another one of those, uh, not not problematic in the, which, how does this map to humans? But the thing where right. it's like, that guy's reaction time, how is he not just wanted for 9,000 counts of vehicular manslaughter?
1: I know! That guy... I really wonder that too. ...would
0: just obliterate a whole slew of pedestrians and not notice until 10 minutes later. Like, swerve 10 minutes yeah. later into a different set of pedestrians... <laughs> Yes. Oh, sloths, I don't even I don't
1: know, know how that works at all. Um, <laughs> although, and I did feel a little bad for DMV workers, in fairness. Because all the sloths work at the DMV. Notice
0: notice the species segregation going on in these jobs.
1: There's a lot of species segregation in jobs. A lot.
0: <laughs> don't think too hard about it sometimes. Uh, don't, Yeah. So the the place that I want to think about it, saying as a Caucasian viewer, um, and and I I was glad to hear that as a white woman, you also at least came along with me on the the reframing of hops as thinking minority and then becoming Standard more more gender. Yeah. Um, so if we think then of the prey as more of the majority, uh, like Caucasian people in modern America. And she is standing at a press conference talking about how the predators who are the minority just have a biological thing that makes them more aggressive and more dangerous. So that second viewing, I was like, oh, damn, she is the most speciesist. I mean, which you get right away. She almost draws down on her friend with the fox repellent. But again, it just reframed the whole thing for me similar similar feels
1: yeah it that was that was a hard moment to watch because you really felt and there's such a strong parallel and they they really do look back to words they call back to words that were used earlier in the movie during a different time where something completely sort of opposite was going on and that is so Hard, it's hard to watch uh, because you're thinking about how you know her parents at the beginning when she's going off to Zootopia are trying to give her fox repellent and fox spray and fox taser, and she's like, "I'll take this," but I mean, like, I'm not going to use it. I mean, that's ridiculous. Why are you being so awful? She does, of course, though, take it. Like, she carries it with her around around with her all the time, and I think that it's become this just this thing that's just on her. And there's this commentary on our internalized biases Mm -hmm. and how they pop up when you least expect them and how she has just walked right into something that she is having a real hard time digging her way out of.
0: And it's, there's sort of two two levels there for me to comment on. One's more story related, Mm. but the first one is she actually says, I'll take this fox repellent to get you guys to shut up as though she's embarrassed by their backwards species thinking. And then what's up? She's ready to draw that thing down. Like, Oh, you just internalize this stuff on the story side. I really found it fascinating. Here's the giant spoiler. This is all a plan of a sheep assistant mayor to get predators declared dangerous because, and I quote her fear always works. Yeah. And it unseats the the predator mayor. She gets promoted. I mean, you know, and would have gone fine were it not for these this pair of uh, of opposites who right. come together. But the thing was, yeah. she let. So that's Assistant uh, Mayor Bellwether. She right. she does not. She could easily have. She's portrayed as very bumbling through well-meaning but right. bumbling through the most of the movie. She could have taken that press conference herself. As the villain, what we find out later, and spun it exactly the right way to get the outcome that she wanted. But she actually trusted Hops's inherent, inborn biases enough to step back and not put her hand right on that. Oh, absolutely. It's diabolical and also just says, you know, shockingly awful things about internalized biases.
1: Yeah, What I think one of the reasons why Judy has so much trouble pulling herself back out of it is if you're in a place where you're convinced that, you know, I don't, I'm not biased like that. Mm -hmm. I don't have feelings like that. Then you don't know how to pull yourself out of it. If you start walking into it, because you don't recognize it until it's way too late. And at that point, you know, what do you do? And boy, she just. Crashes right in, and it's it's not great. Uh, although, obviously, the emotional moment that we all needed to move on to the next thing, it was it was harsh.
0: Her and Nick coming back together later, again reframes. Now that I'm thinking, her more from the feminine perspective as opposed to minority mm-hmm. perspective, uh, them coming back together and her having the very. Um, emotional like like uh i get this is i feel does nothing i'm gonna make sure that i frame this so that i don't make it sound like they this is actually i felt like a really good use of femininity there where she's a little more emotional she's prepared to break down and cry and say to her friend that she who's feeling she hurt that yeah. That let's make this right. And
1: I did something wrong. Um. Yeah.
0: And and again, because I because I was playing the mental game. Now that I'm realizing, okay, that that Hops is a little more about gender on her specifically. Yeah. That I was like, oh, that would have been a really, I would, as a dude, uh, as a father, nine year old son that I took to see the movie. Yeah. No, no shade on Hops. I was thinking, I'd really like to see a reaction like that from a male protagonist more often where if you really did something that hurtful and you realize what you have screwed up and how mm-hmm. there's a little self-loathing there. I don't like this part of me. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, it was, just, again, layers. Just...
1: So many layers. Well, and we do at one point, you know, we really do get that, I think that level of emotion from Nick when he's thinking back about his time in the in the Ranger Scouts and the the harmful the hurtful experience he had with as a prey animal or excuse me as a a predator animal with a group of prey animals because he wanted to be part of a herd and so he joins the ranger scouts and they these you know kids they hazed him and and it was really awful for him but he had a really deep emotional moment where he revealed that to judy and uh i cried i will admit it Mm mm-hmm there were several moments in this movie where I was just like, tears, 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 um, uh, unashamedly. And that was definitely one of them. But I was so, so pleased to see such a, a raw emotional moment from, from a male character.
0: No, it's true. When I say that, I mean the, the really overt, like, like, uh, like you yeah, just yeah, breaks absolutely. down into tears. Because that is a moment yeah, yeah. when you are owning some pretty terrible things about yourself and anyway I just no no shade on Nick's emotional moment in fact I really like no, how I he didn't. very masculinely deflected almost immediately like oh hey quick <laughs> let's make a joke as soon as humanly po- or I guess vulcanly fo- possible that's right I drug out the Latin um so yeah I there's yeah there's just a lot of a uh, i guess intersectionality like that's the you know that's the thing oh absolutely and that i feel like the the reframe of judy is almost uh was i i feel like it had to be done to me on purpose like like that was just one more thing where i was supposed to go oh 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 yeah that's i've been thinking one way and not to get i mean this is girls blamed we already do lots of the intersectional feminism but to get very specifically uh very specifically political the current narrative being sold to us by one side of our presidential options is that Ooh. white americans are under siege yeah yeah and to and to have that reframed in such a way that the person i thought was or i bunny i thought was under siege yeah. in a metaphorically racial way is actually under siege mm-hmm. in a metaphorical gender way. And it's this other right. guy who, who has been through the, <laughs> through the movie getting, who has at least then two layers of, of bigotry against him uh, with the right. minority predator. And then Fox additionally, I, that's some Trojan horse power of story thinking change right there. Right? <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, the the layers of thought that went on, that went into this story are, I don't even know if I can get to them all at any point. There are so many emotional layers and looking into the various ways that people experience bias based on their identity, based on their multiple identities. Uh, it's such a dense movie mm-hmm. and I feel like I want to watch it like a dozen more times.
0: I've said in terms of Jessica Jones that um, I don't need every show I watch to be able to handle the close read. But I really, really mm-hmm. appreciate it when I find something that can handle the close read. I don't need everything to yeah. do it. Sometimes it's just entertainment. But when you find the thing, you're like, man. And, I, yeah, I feel like Zootopia is definitely in that area.
1: Oh, very. I mean, and it's got, you know, the deep emotion. But it's got jokes. Oh, it does have you jokes. Know, just to keep it. It's just because you can't deal with that much heavy for an entire two-hour movie necessarily, and certainly with kids, you want to keep it light uh, as much as you can. One thing I noticed when I was rewatching—do uh, you recall when they, when Judy and Nick got? No, I think it was when they were together the first time. The uh, the weasel. No, it was the second time. It was after. It was after they they got back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, they met up with the weasel. The weasel was selling DVDs <laughs> and he said, you know, I got stuff. that's not even out yet. And they give a quick pan down to the, his selection. One of the movies is called Meowana.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Like princess Moana, Uh huh. Uh-huh. the Disney movie, which is not yet out.
0: <laughs> well played. And
1: it is, you can tell because it's got like a cat that's on, um, like a pontoon sort of a boat. And I had not noticed that before. You know, maybe I had, and it's just that the movie hadn't been talked about enough yet for me to really connect that.
0: That's definitely me. But yeah.
1: I was like, oh, man, Disney, you're just really throwing it at me from every angle. And that's
0: Duke Weaselton, by the way, who insists <laughs> that it's Weaselton in this one. So, yeah, a couple yeah. of layers of, uh, of metatextuality there, too. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to go on a limb for a new fan theory that I have about a relatively minor character in Zootopia. Oh, okay. But I feel like he, this fan theory could add another layer. So I'll get, I want to get your your opinion. Mm-hmm. You may, you may. I this may be nonsense. I am prepared to be told okay. this is nonsense. Awesome. So you have the establishment of a young child, Judy. And her run-in with the local bully, who is a fox, like setting up that yes. that thing, and his, that's Gideon Gray is the is the fox. Yes. And awesome moment for Judy Hops where I've been thinking a lot about this because of another show, which I will not go into because it I don't want to get started. But the idea of a oh. uh, of a heroine, especially a heroine, but a heroine's competence. Mm-hmm. She gets what she wants, and it and it makes things worse, but it doesn't undermine her competence. I really saw that at the beginning right. of uh with Judy. She steps up. She defends her friends. She gets beat because he is a big predatory fox, and she is a tiny bunny. And she still wins. Yeah. She still grabbed the tickets, which yes. were the point. So Gideon crops back up later, and and this was again all of, everything was getting reframed for me once at this point. Uh, right. And you have Judy's. Admittedly kind of hick parents talking about yep. how they're now business partners with Gideon Gray, who bakes pies. And Gideon apologizes to her saying, I had a lot of self-doubt that that came out in this yep. really difficult violent behavior. Okay. So we've already got genders and we've got races. Yep. I feel like Gideon Gray might be the sexuality layer of zootopia i think they weren't talking about him in terms of being a predator i think he might be gay wow there is nothing there's no boyfriend there's no i mean and i admit this is potentially problematic because part of this is the fact that he is like the big tough guy but then he bakes right you know like a traditionally feminine thing so I I might be bringing some, some potentially problematic things to this thought process, but the way that her Hick parents talk about him...
1: Yeah. I feel like... Yeah. Now I need to go back and watch that again just for that specific thing. And, you know, I hadn't... Yeah, I had not even thought of that before, but... But, yeah. Oh, wow. You've added another layer.
0: I mean, it's kind of a... It's kind of a drive-by moment. No. Like, they don't dwell on it. And it's just, again, to the the point that does it for me is Judy's parents and the way that they talk about him did not feel like... I know, we just got done saying over and over, it right. doesn't map directly to humans. But it, in that thought experiment, it didn't sound like somewhat backwards people talking about another race. It just didn't right. quite fit in the way that a lot of the predator-prey yeah. conversation did. And I went, oh my God, I think Gideon I think oh, Gideon that's is gay. I think that's that's what's going on. So earholes, if you have seen Zootopia and have thoughts and opinions on Gideon Grey. I mean, obviously there are a lot of thoughts and opinions sure. you can have about Chinatown and Zootopia and the way that they all cross together. But tell me what you think about this Gideon Gray thing. I it's a new theory, so I'm prepared to have sure. it all yanked out from under me. But that's
1: interesting though. That's yeah. really I and mean, you know that did not occur to me in that moment. But as you say that and I'm thinking about it, I feel like I really want to rewatch it and feel that again.
0: Here's the good news. Gideon Gray is maybe seven minutes yes. of the entire movie. So if you just did the Gideon Gray moments, you could do you that before could. bed.
1: You definitely <laughs> could. Definitely And I do own this on Blu-ray because yes, I absolutely pre-ordered it. That's how much I liked it.
0: Yeah, I'm always I have to wait on the kids movies to make sure that the kid in the house is actually going to be at least two thirds as interested as I am, because otherwise I do not want to be the I don't mind being the adult who is like, well, I'm going to go watch Batman (laughs) cartoons, whether you want to or not. But there's a moment where it's like I'm gonna go watch Zootopia for the two hundred and seventeenth time, and your your nine year old is rolling his eyes <laughs> at you like, "What is yeah. man?" My there's son really it. genuinely enjoyed <laughs>
1: Zootopia, which made me so happy, and he also enjoyed, yes. as did I, the song "Try Everything" by, uh, well, the in movie artist is Gazelle. Uh, Apparently there's only one gazelle uh, in, like, the entirety of the world. And the actual real-life artist is Shakira, who I always remember... Well, I mean, how do you forget Shakira, first of all? But, But second of all, there's this story that, I don't know, was in some bio thing that I saw, where she'd had a teacher in her young life who told her that she couldn't sing, that she sounded like a goat. That's why I remember it. Yeah. And that she should wow. just give it up. And I was like, Wow, that's one of those <laughs> how you like me now moments.
0: I'm just gonna sign yeah. I'm just gonna sign this D V D and I'm just gonna mail it to my <laughs> this teacher. Is for you? I'm I'm not gonna say it, I'm not gonna remind her she told me I sang like a goat. I'm just Check gonna send out. this thing. Yeah. I Yeah, yeah that's awesome. That, no, that is a really, it's an incredibly catchy song with a really interesting message, especially in terms of this movie. Because, and I'll mm-hmm. wrap this up with my own final thought sure. and then turn it over to you for your final thought. Where I really love that song in terms of the end of this movie is the, the final voiceover of Hops, where she says, I came to Zootopia because this was the place where anybody could be anything, but real life is a little more complicated yes. than that. And then she goes to join her partner, who is... She's the first bunny cop. She joins her partner, who's been the shady (laughs) 'er ne'er-do-well, this whole movie, who is now the first fox cop. And they're the partners. And since, again, we've talked about how this doesn't directly map. But that is a moment where I was like, that is a really useful message. If this is penetrating your adult viewers, your kid viewers, you know, whatever, at the metaphorical level to say this ideal is true. The whole point of this movie was not to say that this ideal is untrue. It's to say it's going to take work and it's yeah. going to be complicated. And I just that was just a beautiful period on the end Absolutely. of the sentence that is utopia for me. Cuz they could have really accidentally yeah. undermined some ideals along the way, but she she brought it back for me. So that's that's my final thought. Hugely nuanced film. Jillian, what final thoughts on Zootopia, Chinatown, at all?
1: Absolutely agree. Incredibly nuanced uh, films, plural. Definitely, uh, Zootopia, I, I love forever, and I will be watching and rewatching um, Chinatown. I definitely want to dig deeper into Chinatown and like really rewatch it some more. Uh, and I do want to, in my final thought, tell you this: Do you know? That John Houston was the voice of a very special movie cartoon character that just distracted the crap out of me. No. He's the voice of Gandalf in the Hobbit movie.
0: Oh! Oh, yeah. The Rankin and Bass Hobbit? Yeah. Wh- yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, that scans. I'm into that. Yeah.
1: And it wasn't until the very end of the movie where we're wrapping it all mm-hmm. up, where he's got his sort of, like, you know, his, he's he's doing most of the talking and he's telling us all about why he, you know, what he did and why he did it. Um, where I just, there was something about the cadence of the voice. Yes, yes. Even through the accent that I was like, why is that that's so familiar to me? What was he in? And then I just went, I'm like, I am DBH to the rescue. And went through John Houston's film uh filmography and I was like there it is.
0: Oh, so. that makes a ridiculous amount of sense.
1: Right. And even the uh, moment then, even
0: the moment that that brought it home to you I'm like yes, I see how that did it, man.
1: Yeah. And like go back and rewatch it and you're going to hear it and it's going to be like a whole other thing for you. Oh, and I'm I, sorry like,
0: ear holes. That's going to be really uncomfortable when you go back to Chinatown
1: it really or is god help and you if
0: it's your first I'm, viewing oh
1: yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a little harsh for for all of you especially because of who that character is oh man and then, so that is uh that is what i'm gonna leave you with that's,
0: <laughs> that's complicated to you ear holes that's damn complicated
1: You're gonna have to think through it i think through it a lot um I haven't actually watched the Rankin and Bass Hobbit movie since I've watched Chinatown, although I do have it on DVD, and so now I feel like maybe I need to watch it to just sort of see see if I could still deal with it.
0: My face is in my hands, literally ear holes. Like, that's just... Yeah. I, thank God Ian McKellen has basically supplanted that Gandalf in my head so that now... Sure, absolutely. No, I mean, thank God, because... Yeah. Because... I, because it would kind of ruin both Gandalf and, uh, oh, I forgot John Houston's name in the movie. It's completely not important. No, it's not. Wow. But yeah. Man. Okay. Great final thought. All right. Jillian, <laughs> thanks again for being part of the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It's been fun. And, and thank you for taking on an assignment or giving me an assignment. That actually took longer than reading uh, Lois Lane Fallout.
1: Strangely, even though it was just two movies.
0: What? They're longish, you know?
1: They are longish movies. That's fair. That's fair.
0: So, I mean, definitely a good solid four hours, three and a half, four hours between them, which, I mean, yes. you know, I, yeah, it was a long plane ride that I read Lois Lane on. So, yeah. yeah absolutely. you, I felt bad giving you homework. Tables turned. No. Well done.
1: Tables utterly turned.
0: <laughs> so, yes, thanks again for coming. It was a real pleasure. Yes, thank you. Earholes. Watch all these movies. Do it. Repeatedly for different reasons. And, yes. And come. Come to the Twitters. Come to the Google Pluses. Come and talk to us about all of these things. Tell me what you think about my crazy Gideon Gray theory. We, we love yes. to hear from you. There will be a return of Rowan Coda and Jessica Jones, I promise. We are working out the details of that as we speak. You'll probably get one more guest co-hostess episode before that happens. More info on that as we have it. Uh, as always, thank you for tuning in to Plain. Jillian, thank you again for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Good night.
1: You've been listening to Plain, a J-Roe production, All Rights Reserved. Special thanks to Alyssa Dollinger for all the graphic design assistance. Mad props to Adam Lanier for our theme song. You can hear more of his music at beachlanguage.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us on iTunes or Stitcher and maybe even leave a comment. For show notes, previous episodes, or to find out all the ways you can contact us, fly over to girlsplain.com.